Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Hey there. So the next few episodes, I'm going to be taking a slight detour from imposter syndrome and going deeper into the importance of fun. As I have discussed in previous episodes, making fun a priority increases self-confidence by exercising the right hemisphere of the brain. However, I hear time and time again that adults don't have time for fun, or they don't even know what to do for fun if they even have the time for fun. The next month or so, I'm going to be bringing on some special guests to give you some specific examples of how these women made play a priority in their lives. Finally, before we jump in, my next adventure retreat for women physicians is March 11th through the 13th in Hilton Head, South Carolina. You are perfect for this retreat if you want to feel more confident or fulfilled in your career, if you are feeling isolated and want to connect with other women physicians, or if you just love having fun. The weekend will include lots of time for play, fascinating lectures, and delicious meals. And Category 1 CME will be available. If you sign up before January 1st, you will save $500 off the registration fee. You can go to www.consciousinmedicine.com forward slash retreat or click the link in the podcast description to get signed up. And you can always send me an email at kyates21 at gmail.com if you have any questions. All right, let's go into the episode. And I know that we were just chatting before the recording started and we were just getting to know each other. So why don't we just start with you telling me all about you, whatever, whatever you feel comfortable from birth or <laughs> whatever, wherever you want to start is totally fine. Um, I'll start with my rebirth. I think Great. that's probably what we're focused on. Um, I actually got my master's in secondary education and teaching, and I never wanted to be a teacher. Um, I loved working with the kids, but it just wasn't where my heart was. And I would come home crying from college on the few times that I would come home saying, this isn't what I want to do. I want to be in business. I really want to be an entrepreneur. And my parents would come back to me and say, you don't have that aptitude for that. You need to follow what you're good at. You're good at art and you're good at English. You need to be an art teacher and English teacher, get your degree, and then you can do whatever you want. And um, so my parents were paying for college, Um, not my master's year. I put myself through my master's year, but um, I graduated and I moved out to Chicago and I waited tables for nine months trying to figure out how I was going to get my foot in the door in the business world, um, you know, with an English degree. Um, had a really, uh, bad experience as a, an executive assistant for six months, um, working for a mortgage company that flipped houses right, uh, when the mortgage, uh, world tanked in 2008. Um, but through that, I gained some great experience and, um, and ended up as an executive assistant at working for this really great company, um, in Evanston, just outside of Chicago with a great team. And that gave me, um, a lot of great experience, including a wonderful boss who was like a dad to me. And I still, um, when I'm a boss, just think of how he treated me and how I want to mentor the people that, that work for me and the experience I want them to have. Um, fast forward to, um, moving out to Brooklyn with, you know, my fiance who I met in Chicago, we ended up in Wilton, Connecticut. And, uh, I thought that, you know, I thought that I just wanted to be a mom. I wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, The commute down to where I was working in New York City, it was going to be two hours. And so I had this plan that I was just going to be a pure bar teacher. 
Um, that's how I was going to stay busy until I had kids. Um, it was going to be a creative out- outlet for me. And I, I was going to stay in shape in the meantime. I love Pure Bar. Um, and that was great for about two years. I got bored of it. Um, I like to challenge myself. And um, on top of being pregnant with my daughter, um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to leave this behind. And I just want to focus on spending time with my son, Jack, um, before his, his sister's born. And then I thought my world would just be complete and I would feel so fulfilled as a mom when Marlo came along because I'd always wanted a daughter, you know, nothing against my son. I love my son to bits and he's one of my two favorite humans in the world. Um, But I thought that everything was going to be complete when I had Marlo and I had this specific memory, this realization sitting in a chair with her, just feeling so empty inside, staring straight ahead. And my husband, who he's just, he has a very high EQ and uh, he can read me, you know, he knows me better than I know myself. He said to me, you don't seem happy. What's wrong? And I said, you know, I don't think I'm happy. I think that I need to start being creative again. I'm a very creative person. I grew up playing the flute and drawing and sketching and painting and writing poetry And I didn't have any of those outlets for myself anymore. Pure bar for a while, you know, putting together those those classes and teaching those classes was a creative outlet, Um, but it wasn't of my own creation, right? I was using somebody else's tools and somebody else's plans um, and just assembling them myself. So I had nothing. And I said, I want to start baking again. That was the easiest thing that I thought I could do that would be the most productive because, Hey, at least you can eat it. Right. You know, if I'm drawing or if I'm making art, what am I going to do? I'm just going to put it away, but at least somebody is going to eat it and I can make my family happy. Um, up until that point, the only time I had baked was on my husband's birthday because he's not a big sweets guy. He's a savory guy. And the only thing he likes are chocolate chip cookies. So every year on his birthday, I would try to make him the best chocolate chip cookie that I possibly could. And every year I get progressively better. You tweak some things around. Um, and so I said, I think I'm going to start trying to make the best chocolate chip cookie around. Um, it was a dessert that I really missed when we lived in Brooklyn. I used to get this huge chocolate chunk walnut cookie after my workouts, after my pure bar workouts. And I couldn't find anything like that, um, where I live now. And so that was my mission. Um, fast forward about a month and a half of making batches of chocolate chip cookies every day, just obsessively and force feeding them to my husband He said, this is it. I think you finally got it. I think this is the recipe. And I said, no, there needs to be a place around here in the suburbs that makes decadent, amazing chocolate chip cookies and just all different varieties, all different kinds. There wasn't a place like that around here. And he said, well, I think you should do it. Now, this is a point of contention between me and my husband because he likes to rewrite history a little bit. That was kind of the end of, of... how supportive he was for a while when he realized how serious I was Mm -hmm. because I wanted to immediately take it to the next level. And I said, I don't want to be a mom baking at home. I want to make this national business. I want to ship. I want to get in a commercial kitchen. And, uh, and he was like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. You know, your daughter's six months old is now really the time to do this. You know, he was an entrepreneur. He's like, there's only, we can only afford to have two entrepreneurs in the family. You know, who's going to pay for the childcare, this, that, and the other thing, where are you going to get the money from every roadblock that he could bring up every reason that he could think of to put in my way, he did. And I just knew inside 
that finally I had found the thing that lit a fire inside me that I knew I could be good at, that I knew I could put my signature on, my mark on, that was going to fulfill me creatively, that I could sell to fulfill that entrepreneurial spirit. And now I, there wasn't anybody who was going to stop me. My parents had, you know, tried to keep me down to earth and stop me. And I was, gosh, what was I, 36? And I finally figured it out. And now my husband's going to stop me or having two young kids is going to stop me. No, that was it. I was done. I was done listening to everybody else. And whether or not he supported me, I was going to do it. I was going to make it happen. And he finally realized just how serious I was, that I wasn't going to give up. And he could see that fire inside me. And uh, I almost named my company Defiant Banana because he came down at six in the morning you know, I snuck down before the kids were awake and I started making a banana chocolate chip cookie and he goes, you're going to do it, aren't you? And I said, yep. So that was it. Then, you know, when he figured out that I had learned to design the entire website myself, um, I Googled everything I didn't know. I got all of my license. I got my trademark all by myself. When he finally figured out that, well, word's getting out and people are ordering from you and you're making money. Yeah. Then he was, then he was supportive. Now he's my biggest champion, um, my biggest supporter, but it took him a little while to come around. And I guess I can't hold that against him, but um, that's my very long-winded story. That's so fantastic. And I, I have so many questions I, I thought of with your story. So what do you think, what do you think it was with like the on, being an entrepreneur that that drive that you always had? Like, where do you think that came from? Well, first of all, I never really wanted a quote unquote normal life. I always wanted something bigger, something greater. I grew up in a really small town with, you know, one stop sign and for 20 minutes out, then there was a, a red light. And so I was always dreaming of what lay beyond, you know, this little town that I grew up in. And my mom was a stay at home mom for the longest time until she finally went back to teaching. And, um, you know, I was the kid with the lemonade stand and making bracelets and selling them and trying to make a creative buck any way possible. I remember I had a, a book, you know, as maybe a 13 year old, it was like a hundred easy ways to make money. I was uh, a kid's, I had my, my grandmother was an excellent seamstress, make me a clown outfit. And I was a kid's party clown. I learned how to tie balloons. Oh my and I gosh. think it was just the fact that, Hey, I can make money for myself that always drove me. And that I can also share a part of myself with somebody else and like, Hey, they like it. And they mm -hmm. want to pay me money for that. That's so cool. Yeah. So how long has it been now that you've had your, um, you, do you call it a bakery? I think you'd call it yes, a bakery, right? It's an online, <laughs> yeah, it's an online bakery. So online we bakery, work out of a yeah. ghost kitchen. Yeah. So how long have you had that now? November, 2019. So it's wow. coming up on two years. Yeah. That's incredible. And so do you, where it is now, would you have imagined that you'd be in this place now back then? Um, <laughs> not as quickly. No. Um, you know, when I was first talking about the idea, I had people say to me, you know, maybe why don't you wait until, you know, Marlo goes to school and then you'll have more time. And I said, Oh, you know, if I sell it on the website, I'll just be sold out. And people will say, Oh, that'll drive business. That'll be great anyway. And it was just always going to be this very easy thing that was going to fulfill a means to, the, to an end creatively but I didn't really expect, honestly, to put my heart and soul into it and to, you know, give it 
give it the momentum that it has from day one that has gotten me to this point so quickly. I thought that it w- I was going to be at this point maybe when my daughter was in kindergarten. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, I don't want to say it got away from me because I'm big on visualization. I'm big on having a very specific goal in my mind. And sometimes I can't even believe how quickly I accomplished that goal. I'm absolutely obsessed <laughs> with my business. I'm obsessed with the end goal of inspiring other women because it took me this long to figure out, you know, what drove me and who I was as a person. So my greater goal is not just cookies. It's to inspire other women and to tell them that they too can harness their own power and to not let anyone stop them. And as you and I were saying before, you know, we started recording to think about who you are and and your needs and to put yourself first. And if you're not happy, ain't nobody else going to be happy Mm -hmm. as a mom and as a wife, um, as a partner. So yeah, eventually, hopefully, you know, my pie in the sky goal is to be kind of a beacon of light for other women and say, like, I've been through a lot of hurdles to get where I am. And if I can do it, who, you know, I was told growing up that this is all you can be. This is what you're going to be. You know, if I can overcome all of that self-doubt that I had growing up to finally put it aside and say, you know, it's now or never, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to make myself happy and nobody's going to stop me. Then all of these other women can too, because I know how hard it is. Yeah. Well, I think you're already doing that. I mean, that's why I had mentioned to you, I was drawn to that. And I felt that energy. I appreciate that in a probably a very small way. Yeah. But hopefully I, it's going to one day can magnify it. Yeah, definitely. And I think I, I love, I love to touch on the name of your bakery, the rebel daughter, just because I feel like maybe that ties in a little bit to what you just said. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. My mom, my mom still calls me her rebel daughter. I was kind of the black sheep in the family. My older brother is very play by the rules. Don't make waves, go with the flow. Um, you know, someone tells him this is how it's going to be. He just accepts it. And I saw that. And as a second child was breaking all of the rules, Mm -hmm. constantly challenging my parents to say, well, why is black, black? Why do we call it black? Why is white, white? Why is the sky blue? And man, have I gotten paid back for it because (laughs) my son is the same way. And my daughter too. Um, I have a a wonderful babysitter and she calls her RD2, rebel daughter too. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just the not accepting the status quo, not accepting anything on face value, challenging everything, Um, you know, from my mom being very conservative and challenging, you know, very conservative family values to just, you know, it took me until I was 37 years old to finally dye my hair pink at the ends because- Mm my, my parents are so conservative, um, to try to finally start living out loud, just in little ways to show my personality. Um, Mm -hmm. I used to love, gosh, I would dress really crazy as a kid. My grandmother fully supported it. I would come to school in polka dots and stripes and, and I would outwardly outwardly wear my personality and I got made fun of it. Um, but I think there's a part of you as you grow up that wants to conform And now I'm saying, no, everyone around here that I see conforms and 
that's probably not always how they feel on the inside. And, you know, it's okay to be different. And in fact, it's wonderful to be unique Mm -hmm. and we need more of that. Yeah. I love what you just said about your hair, because I just like six months ago decided that I did want to have purple hair and it doesn't matter if maybe that's not how doctors should look, but I'm doing it. And it's just, it's those little things that make you realize like really exactly like you said, like question those things, like what, right. what does it mean to be professional? That's been why, why right. does it have anything to do with how I look or if I have a piercing exactly. or what exactly. my hair looks like and, or, oh my gosh, a tattoo. Yeah. yeah. Oh exactly. my gosh. A tattoo. You know, I grew up in tattoos are just so profane, you know, mm-hmm. or like I snuck off at the boardwalk and I got two ear piercings at the top of my ears and my mom cried. And she said, I ruined her entire vacation. I mean, these are the oh, kinds no. of things that I rebelled against and pushed back yeah. against as a kid. Like why, why is having four ear piercings so bad? You know, I, I get straight A's like, why is this, why are you yeah. judging me outwardly based on appearance? Like it just, things like that just never made sense to me. Yeah. Well, I want to tie a few concepts in that you mentioned because the whole, the point of the summit is like, let's bring fun and play back into our life. And I think you really illustrated it very well because you had these moments in your life that you were yearning and craving for that creativity, that outlet. And it just wasn't there. Or if it was there, it was not enough because you weren't, you recognized that it was, it was a creative outlet, but it wasn't your creation. And I think that many women it, this might be so suppressed that they don't even know that that's what they're missing. And mm-hmm. this, I love like neuroscience and that kind of thing. And I'll spare you the nerdy details, but you know, we have a right and a left hemisphere and our society in general is very left brain focused. It's the logic and the details and the policies and do this and then that. And it's very masculine energy type of thing. And that's, what's supposed to be acceptable. And what happens is that we are neglecting the whole other side of ourselves, which is the right hemisphere. And that's the creativity and the love and the present moment and, and the connection and, and all of those things. And it's almost like it, it's like withering away because of neglect and what we, we tell ourselves, Oh, we don't have time for that. Or there's, I have to care for my kids or all these other excuses, or my, my partner doesn't support me. And we, and we really feel that we can feel emotionally and physically. And you really did a great job of explaining how that manifested in your life. Mm -hmm. So one thing I do want to mention real quick is, just for women, I think who have that drive, like you had, and maybe don't have the stamina that you did in that moment where you're like, I know this is what I'm going to do is many times when people are trying to talk us out of something, it's because of a fear that they have about what something, right. Right. Failure, rejection, humiliation, they're projecting their fear onto us. Right. And then exactly what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then if we let that fear take over, then we stay small. Right. So of co- I'm sure that there were challenges. Can you speak to that a little bit about either challenges with when the fear did come up or challenges with, you know, if you had any of the mom guilt that sometimes shows up for us? Um, yeah. So I think the biggest part of the, the challenge was that four months into starting my business, the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And we had a wonderful babysitter who would come when I was teaching pure bar or she would come so I could go run errands and just get out of the house for a little bit. 
she's like Mary Poppins and she was part of our family. And in the very beginning of March, she left because she was very on top of the news and said, I just don't think it's okay right now until we figure out what's going on. And that was unfortunately the last time that we saw her. We kept thinking maybe she'll come back. And then it Mm -hmm. became more and more apparent that, you know, COVID was real and it was here to stay. Um, Of course, we still keep in touch and she's amazing, but I had an entire year of not having anybody in the house. And it was me with my kids trying to juggle, hey, Scott, can you watch the kids so that I can go to work? So I can go to the kitchen or, you know, kids climbing all over me while I'm trying to sit there and work or, you know, social media. You don't want the kids to see you on your phone all the time, but it's, I mean... I could be better about it, but it, it's impossible because it's just such a part of my job. I want to get back to people right away. Um, I have to post on social media for my job. And uh, the kids watched a lot of TV. And my husband would say to me, look, these are unprecedented, quote unquote, circumstances. We don't have anyone to help right now. You and I both have to work. It's okay if they watch TV. But I felt like it was happening all the time. And my kids, just like every other two and a half and five-year-old out there are just so inquisitive and so bright. And, you know, I, it ate away inside at me that I wasn't, um, you know, reading to them as much as I could have been or helping them with projects or taking them outside because I had so much to do and I was just overwhelmed. And then you get to the point where you start questioning, well, am I a bad mom or no, I, I, I'm not a bad mom because I'm setting a good example for them. And, you know, you go back and forth in your head all the time. You know, of course, my husband, he doesn't feel like a bad dad. Why do I feel like a bad mom? Mm-hmm. And um, it was the juggling of, of childcare. And, you know, he couldn't ever have the kids in his office because he was on important business calls, but it was okay if they were mm-hmm. climbing all over me when I was trying to get work done. Um, and so that was really frustrating, really challenging. And yes, I had a lot of mom guilt about Um, the fact that they weren't being stimulated or, you know, uh, enriched creatively throughout the day as they were used to. Um, so that was, that was definitely a big challenge. That was, that was really hard. Yeah. So how did you, like, where are you now? Cause I guess it's that, you know, things have shifted and of course we're not back to normal yet, but Um, how is that internal dialogue for you now? Well, now I'm fortunate in the fact that vaccines are here and we feel comfortable with a fully vaccinated babysitter, Mm -hmm. um, who, and my son is just went back to school. Gosh, it was his first day in kindergarten. Um, so yeah, so things have changed in, in terms of time. Um, so that's been a huge relief for sure. Um, I'm also a very kind of introverted person and there's only so much, I'm like a rubber band. I've heard introverts mm. been referred to as a rubber band. You can stretch and stretch and stretch, but eventually you need quiet and calm to come and you come back to homeostasis, to come back to normal. And one of the biggest challenges is that I just felt like I couldn't think mm-hmm. I couldn't, I never had quiet time to just sit and think and to visualize. And it was just keeping my head above water every day. Mm -hmm. Um, so now I'm in a much different place because I have, thank goodness, a babysitter who, you know, watches the kids, watches my daughter takes her out to play and they paint and, 
um, I'm able to focus on my work and growing my business. Um, and because I went through that time in my life as so many other women did, um, juggle, trying to juggle childcare and being the, a teacher and, you know, working full time. And because I went through that point and I realized that there's just a stigma for women out there, working women, quote unquote, you never hear about a working dad. It's just assumed mm-hmm. that the dad is going to work. And so we project this mom guilt, like, oh, we're supposed to be doing this. or we're supposed to be doing that. And, um, my greatest goal, pie in the sky goal is to one day create my own charity. Right now we give to two different, uh, profits to two different charities that help women and kids. But my goal one day is to give the profits to my own charity, which helps women to find and connect them to great childcare, reliable childcare. Um, so they're not penalized in the workplace for not being able to get to work because, you know, the babysitter is sick or gosh, we had a nanny who just didn't even show up one day and it took mm-hmm. us a month to find somebody else um, to create a network of mentorship and support and to connect women to reliable, affordable, supplemented childcare because no woman should have the guilt of having to choose between a career that they need and or want or their dreams that fulfill them and being a mother. Because I would say, throw in a number out there, 99% of men don't contend with that issue. Yeah. Well, I have so many goosebumps. I'm having all the feels talking to you. I just love your mission and what you stand for and the honesty and um, how you speak about your journey and, and, and at the same time empower um, other women. So that I thank you so much for everything that you're doing. Um, do you mind telling everyone where they can find out more about you and get some of your cookies and all of those things? Um, yeah, our website is rebeldaughtercookies.com and we ship nationwide. Um, we are based out of a, a ghost kitchen, a shared commercial kitchen in Norwalk. Um, we bake two days a week. And um, yeah, use the code new rebel if you want 10% off. And we give a portion of profits to the National Birth Equity Collaborative, which seeks to close the maternal black health gap um, and um, filling in the blanks, which is a local Norwalk based um, charitable organization that um, fills in the weekend gap for kids that are low income that gets supplemented lunches at school. It gives them um, weekend meal bags to take home so that they don't go hungry. Um, you wouldn't think that maybe in, in such a great state like Connecticut, we have a child hunger issue, but unfortunately it's, it's very prevalent. And it's only gotten worse during COVID. Um, so yeah, they're an incredible organization that we're really excited and happy to partner with too. That's amazing. Thank you for everything that you're doing. And also people can find you on Instagram, Rebel, Rebel yes, Daughter Cookies. at Rebel Daughter Cookies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It's This has been great. And thanks for letting me tell my story. Thank you.